Tonight, back to school and back to the bargaining table in a heated labor feud. Education workers drop the picket signs after Ontario drops a strike ban. The government blinked. It's not a one-way street here. Relief for students caught in the standoff. Online learning just doesn't work for me. The last lap before the U.S. midterm elections. Abortion rights are huge. Inflation is probably first and foremost. A vote with crucial consequences for Canada. If you live above a meth lab, eventually toxic fumes are going to come to you. Plus, a celebration of service. Never regretted joining the Navy. It was the best thing I ever did. Canada's last living war heroes. A chance to look, listen, and learn. They knew this was the time. The stories were about to be lost. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina, reporting tonight from Washington. A symbol of American democracy, control of the U.S. Capitol, is up for grabs tomorrow. Good evening, everyone. This was the last day of campaigning across the United States ahead of critical midterm elections. But we begin with major developments in a Canadian political fight. Over a million students in Ontario will be back in class tomorrow after a walkout and a serious legal threat. 55,000 education workers will return to work after the Premier promised to erase the controversial Bill 28 that included the notwithstanding clause, taking away their right to strike. CTV's Heather Butts starts us off from Toronto. In a showdown with the province, those on the picket lines are now claiming victory. We have our bargaining rights back. Just days after Ontario's Premier said he had no choice but to ban a strike, Doug Ford backed down, offering to repeal the contentious legislation that included the notwithstanding clause as long as workers ended their walkout. I feel we can strike a deal, but they need to come back. They're the only ones that have the ability to have the kids back in the classroom. The Canadian Union of Public Employees agreed to collapse picket lines and negotiate. It's the work of my friends and colleagues that repealed this bill, and it is unprecedented. The move comes as support for QP poured in from other private and public sector unions. Workers made it clear that they will not tolerate the weaponizing of the notwithstanding clause to strip away our charter rights. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. Bringing relief for parents. I'm so happy that my kid is going back to school. Those kids caught in the political crossfire. It's never really about the students, I feel. This grade 12 student says her friends were stressed about returning to online learning. There is underpay and there is an actual problem. I just think that there are better ways to solve this problem. Parents in Ontario are set to receive up to $250 per child to help cover the costs of extra support for students following COVID learning disruptions. A $365 million commitment some feel could have helped avoid this labour disruption. I don't want that money. That money belongs in the education system. Everyone knows that when you pool money, you can do more with it. The repeal may be considered a win, but this is far from over. 
I'm still on the fence. We haven't gotten a deal yet, so I'll be more excited once we do get that deal that we, what we deserve. A little bit more positive, but uh, there's a long way to go. Students will be back to class tomorrow, and the union representing those 55,000 education workers says its team will be back at the bargaining table. Omar. All right, Heather, thank you. Doug Ford did get a legal victory today. A federal court judge has ruled the Ontario Premier won't have to take the stand in the Emergencies Act inquiry where the mayor of Windsor testified today. The posture and the language was, you know, it was, it was almost as if folks wanted some sort of brawl on the streets. Drew Dilkin said while invoking the Emergencies Act didn't end the blockade at the Ambassador Bridge, it may have prevented protesters from coming back. Canada's busiest border crossing was closed for a week last February. And the close connections between the two countries mean that what happens here in Washington can have a direct impact on Canadians. By this time tomorrow, we'll see results in the U.S. midterm elections. And late tonight, Donald Trump says he'll make his own very big announcement a week later on November 15th. CTV's Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malbin on the high stakes. U.S. President Joe Biden with a closing message to voters warning of extremism if Republicans win. Let's be clear. This election is not a referendum. It's a choice. It's a choice between two very different visions of America. Thank you. This is a big crowd. A different vision from former President Donald Trump. Two years after his supporters attacked the Capitol, he's still casting doubt on U.S. elections and teasing a third presidential run. Then tomorrow you must vote Republican in a giant red wave that we've all been hearing about. That include an army of election deniers who could decide future elections. Control of the Senate coming down to a few crucial states. And Republicans need to flip just five seats to take control of the House. Top leaders are already salivating, announcing plans for power before the votes are even counted. A bill to control the border first. You've got to get control over the border. You've had almost two million people just this year alone coming across. A Republican majority would doom Biden's Democratic agenda on national abortion rights, climate change, even financial assistance to Ukraine. Under Republicans, not another penny will go to Ukraine. <clears throat> Our country comes first. Expect political gridlock investigations. There's even talk of impeaching Biden. They're going to impeach me. I don't know what the hell they're impeaching me for. <laughs> no, I, I'm, not, I'm not joking. For Canadians watching it all, trepidation. Well, if you live above a meth lab, eventually toxic fumes are going to come to you. You know, these are very worrying signs of the kind of hyper-partisan politics that we see in the United States. All of this has huge implications for the direction of this country. Already there's a flood of lawsuits, questions about mail-in ballots. And if it's close, election night could become election week or longer. Omar? And those polls open in less than 12 hours. Washington Bureau Chief Joy Malvin at the White House tonight. This is already the most expensive midterm election ever. State and federal races combined, almost $17 billion U.S. has been spent so far. And the attack ads are most vicious in the states that could decide which party holds the balance of power. CTV's Richard Madden zeroes in on the tight race in Georgia tonight. It's down to the finish line in Georgia tonight, where former football star Herschel Walker 
is running neck and neck against a reverend. The people on the left, they're campaigning, they're lying to you. They're telling you that this is a new normal. The staunchly pro-life candidate reportedly paid two women to have abortions. That's why incumbent Democrat Ralphiel Warnock is making the final pitch about character and values. The issues are too urgent, the stakes are too high, and the differences between me and Herschel Walker are too wide. The once reliable red state is now a toss-up, and whoever wins here could determine which party controls the Senate. In the last Congress, Georgia elected two Democrats, giving them a razor-thin majority. But this election cycle is a whole new ballgame. So it all could come down to Georgia. It really could, yeah. Professor Charles Bullock is an expert in Southern politics. He says a big factor making Georgia increasingly competitive is Donald Trump. They like Trump, but they don't love Trump. That's exactly right, yeah. And that's why this race seems to be as close as it is. Well, that's right, yeah, because I think we're still a little bit more Republican than Democrats. So a Democrat has to be able to certainly do well with the independent voters, but also peel off a little bit of the Republican support. African-American turnout is another factor. At this Sunday service, the pastor urged black men to get out and vote. Uh, many of them don't believe that it's even worth it uh, or even necessary for change to take place. And so we tried to do an extra push uh, because if we can get men to the polls, it's really going to have an impact this cycle. Turnout at advanced polls are at record levels. The stakes are high in Georgia and voters know it. I don't like the decisions being made about women's bodies. Economy, security. Uh, national security. Now, in a Senate race this close, a winner may not be declared tomorrow. That's because here in Georgia, any candidate that gets less than 50% triggers an automatic runoff for a second vote scheduled in December. Omar. All right, Richard Madden in Atlanta tonight. The economy has emerged as the pressing priority for voters in this election. U.S. President Joe Biden's strategy to get the economy churning again is to commit to a $369 billion package of climate investments, which come with a monumental to-do list and not a lot of time. Humanity has a choice, cooperate or perish. It is either a climate solidarity pact or a collective suicide pact. At the U.N. climate summit in Egypt, the U.N. Secretary General followed that dire warning by shaming two of the biggest emitters with the richest economies, China and the United States. Tonight, that Made in America plan to save the planet is contingent on winning the vote. In ways that are both obvious and obscure, climate is on the ballot. CTV's Tom Walters explains. After more than two decades of sustained drought, the driest it's been in 1,200 years, Arizona has been scorched by climate change. And yet here, a Republican candidate for state office sneers at the things his Democratic rival thinks are important. Fighting climate change. Republicans have made inflation their issue, blaming rising gas prices on the Biden administration's energy policies. When you declare war on oil and gas in a country that's still mostly powered by oil and gas, you think you might make the cost of gas go up? But over and above the existential threat of the climate crisis, those Republicans who ignore it would drive up inflation themselves. Here in Arizona, water in Lake Powell has dropped 40 meters. A few meters more, and it will be too low to flow through the turbines of the Glen Canyon Dam. The big reservoirs on the Colorado River are close to losing um, their ability to produce hydroelectric power. That would be a huge blow to the region. And downstream, record low river levels would dry up the Arizona farmland 
that produces most of this country's winter supply of lettuce. Those products are going to be more expensive across the entire country. Earlier this year, Democrats and Republicans in Arizona approved over a billion dollars in conservation measures. And a lot of the steps needed to meet federal climate goals depend on action at the state level. And it's so important that the other states step up and do something about it. But many may be about to do less. Based on likely results tomorrow, nearly half of all states are expected to reduce their commitments to fighting climate change. So the midterm elections will not just measure the political temperature, they could very well affect the global one. Omar? CTV's Tom Walters in Phoenix. An investigation is underway in Iraq tonight after the death of an officer with the Canadian military. Captain Eric Chung died Saturday in what the armed forces say were non-operational related circumstances. Day one of meetings between provincial health ministers has wrapped up with a call for more money from Ottawa. The United Position of Canada's Premiers seeks to increase the federal government's share of provincial and territorial health costs to 35 percent. The ministers will present their case tomorrow when their federal counterpart, Jean-Yves Duclos, joins the meetings. The prime minister says he's committed to investing more, but with conditions. But as the president of the C Canadian Medical Association said this summer, there's no point just putting more money into a broken system. Justin Trudeau says he wants assurances people will have access to a family doctor and mental health services. Time for a short break, but when we come back. I don't even think Jesus Christ himself could bring America together. A divide that runs deep, the elusive search for common ground. Plus an epic underwater embrace when CTV National News continues. This is Lafayette Square in Washington, a public park with a long history of protest, a short walk from the White House lawn. Americans have been testing that First Amendment right to free speech, and at times, bitter divisions drown out respectful discourse. We spent the afternoon at Lafayette Square today with political analyst Eric Ham to discuss the risk of that megaphone effect in American politics. Do you think there's anybody in America that could bring the country together right now? I don't even think... Jesus Christ himself could bring America together. I don't think there's anyone at this moment who could bring the nation together. America's only salvation is if the, the hate that's driving our politics, it has to die out. No one's going to snuff it out. No one's going to change the situation. I think it has to die out. How pivotal are these midterms? I think the question is, are we going to see American democracy continue or will this be will this election be the confirmation that American democracy is on the decline in the United States. So it's a very pivotal election because I think the question is does democracy hold or are we seeing democracy begin to eventually go away. Do you think that even after tomorrow the results of these midterms will be accepted. Here's how I'll answer that. We haven't even counted the first vote, and already we have a record number of lawsuits about this election. More than 110 lawsuits have already been filed, and we haven't counted one vote. 
So I think the answer to your question is there will be people, depending on what the outcome is, who will not accept tomorrow's election. And if and when they don't accept it, how will they respond? That's the question. Donald Trump isn't even on the ballot for these elections tomorrow. What do you think it is about his message that is still resonating with millions of Americans? He speaks to an audience of people who feel like their voice has not been heard. He speaks for them. He speaks to them. He empowers them. And I think that moves people for good or for bad. And he's still a singular, powerful person in this country that can move the needle. Can he win? We saw that he could not. Will his party win tomorrow? Who knows? But nevertheless, he still shows that he's influential, that he will be a, he will be integral in what happens tomorrow. He will be integral in what happens going forward in terms of who controls that building in 2024. And Donald Trump is going to be a player. He still is. When you look at what's happening in your country and the divisions that seem to be getting deeper, what do you think about this country's future? It's scary. It's scary. But you know, the United States has, has been through scary times before. We have seen whole cities burn to the ground, but we've seen no cities rebuilt. You know, it's possible America can pull itself back from this because we've seen it happen before. But when you say that I am not going to accept an election, which is the hallmark of democracy, in many ways you're saying I'm not going to accept democracy unless I control those levers of power. And if I don't control those levers of power, then I will respond violently even. That's a scary thing. That's a scary place to be for a nation. And you can watch more of that conversation with Eric Ham on our website, ctvnews.ca. Still ahead tonight, a medical first. The gift of life developed in a lab. There is a British breakthrough to tell you about tonight that has the potential to solve the chronic and critical shortage in the supply of rare blood types. In a world-first clinical trial, blood that was grown in a lab has been injected into two patients. Both were given transfusions of the synthetic liquid, about a spoonful. Researchers not only believe it mimics the real thing, it might be an improvement. Red cells growing from stem cells in the lab are similar or better than the, the, a, a donor's own um, blood cells that they produce inside their body. What we're hoping is actually is because they're so freshly made and ready to go, they'll be better. Now, if the lab-made version performs as they expect, it's good news for patients who have rare blood types or suffer from blood disorders. And overnight, you can catch a rare blood moon. The lunar eclipse will be visible as long as the sky is clear. The moon will appear a deep red or purple as it passes perfectly beneath Earth's shadow. It won't happen again in North America until at least 2025. Should be quite the sight. And for a deep sea diver off the coast of Vancouver Island, this was hard to miss. A giant Pacific octopus got curious and got really close, as you can see, to Andrea Humphreys. A cool encounter captured on camera. Then there are the animal encounters that may be more mundane but still have an impact. Customers at a Vancouver grocery store are coming to the defense of a beloved, albeit furry, staff member.
I really don't see the problem. He controls mice and he's, um, he's just a wonderful addition to the neighborhood. She's talking about Mickey the cat, who's been a top 10 produce for nearly three years. Mickey roams the aisles, greeting customers and keeping mice at bay. But he's facing eviction after a complaint to local health officials. They say animals are forbidden where food is sold. The store has started a petition to try and get the rules changed. And coming up next. We had to accept the fact that the moron. The voice of our veterans from the front lines of history. Remembrance Day is in five days, so we leave you tonight with a series of snapshots and sounds that serve as important reminders, lest we forget. Here's Heather Wright. Behind every picture is a story of bravery, sacrifice, and service. I think it memories is one of sadness because of people who you did know are no longer with us. Joe Duffy was a lieutenant commander in the Royal Canadian Navy, serving aboard the minesweeper HMCS Nipigon. His story is one of 40 being shared in The Last Salute, a new exhibit in the Veterans Centre at Toronto's Sunnybrook Hospital, where a portrait of a veteran is matched to their voice. We had to accept the fact there was a war on. And they share their stories from the Second World War. Instead of going Christmas shopping, I went down and I joined the Navy. Now 102, Janet Watt was in her early 20s when she left home in Alberta to serve as a dental assistant in the Women's Royal Naval Service, joining her two brothers and a sister who were also in the Navy. To think that some families lost so many, but you know, we all came back. Every veteran photographed is over 100 years old, and organizers want to ensure their stories and voices live on. They spoke with such courage and grace and I think in part they spoke because they knew this was the time. The stories were about to be lost. For photographer Yuri Deutsch, the project was personal. His parents spent three years hiding in the mountains of the former Czechoslovakia, waiting to be liberated. But if they were caught, they would be shot on the spot. So every day counted for my parents for war to end. Organizers plan to take the exhibit on the road to share these stories with as many Canadians as possible, a tribute to the service and sacrifice of the greatest generation. Heather Wright, CTV News, Toronto. And it's our profound privilege to bring you live coverage of the National Remembrance Day ceremony from Ottawa this Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. And from Washington, that is a snapshot of this Monday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching. Good night, and we'll see you back tomorrow.